0: Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back here with your hosts, Liam and Bill. How are you, Bill?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Um, had a bit of a busy evening here, so I've only just managed to sit down in front of the computer and have a look at the teams. And uh, yeah, going to go through them now and just see whether there's any surprises or uh, yeah, nasty surprises like we had last week.
0: Yeah, um, we might go through game by game, we don't get to do this often because we're not usually doing the podcast after teams have come out, but it would be a good chance for us to have a good talking through about which players are in the team this week and that might shape a few trades um, for what we're thinking about.
1: Yeah, so I've got them up in front of me here, I'm just looking at the first game, Sydney versus Essendon, doesn't seem to be too many surprises um, or too many relevant Supercoach players. In that one, uh, I see Zach Clarks come in, so potentially if you've got him on the bench, good news there. But the second game I think is quite interesting. You've got Bulldogs versus the Lions, and um, it's interesting and I think good from a Lions perspective to see Noah Ainsworth named alongside Zach Bailey. Yeah,
0: I think that's huge. There was a lot of talk during the week about whether uh, when... He did come in the side, um, that was to replace that Bailey sort of position, and if he was able to hold his spot with Bailey coming in, and also Andrews coming in, not playing the same position, but also having to omit someone for his spot there, to have um, both these players come into the team and for him to keep his spot is, is, yeah, it's very promising for his job security going forward, I think.
1: Yeah, and good for me, I'm getting my point of difference in the back line there, Harris Andrews back in, Uh, as we know, he's had a few good games, and then One bad one, one injury-affected game, so he's quite cheap. If people want to jump on him in the back line, now might be the time.
0: Yeah, um, very interesting player there at the cheaper price point if someone's looking for you know, one of those upgrade targets that's someone that's not highly priced. If you can't make it all the way to the top premiums, he could be someone to look at. But I think for most people this week, it will be um, looking at that downgrade option of Answorth, who is quite interesting because he does have that defender mid-swing. Um, we talked about it a bit last week when we um, talked about the potential of him coming in. Could be really important for people who have Lockhart, for people who have Dersmer, and might open up some uh, swings between the middle and the defense there.
1: So looking at the third game, we see Will Setterfield's come back in. That's good news for people who held him. Um, And on the Collingwood side, I guess if you've got Dame Beams or Taylor Adams, that's pretty bad news. They're both out and could be out for a while, both injured.
0: Yeah, good and bad there with Satterfield. you'll finally get some more price rises, hopefully cement that spot back in the team before buyers come around, but also I've been quite enjoying using Satterfield as a the loophole there, looking at players like, you know, Petricelli and Parker have been both, you know, a bit up and down, being able to have a look at both those players as a loophole option before I lock one in has been quite good, but... I think for the long run, it's better to have Setterfield back in that team and, uh, yeah, putting some points on your bench and also getting a bit of cash generation there because we've really been lacking that a bit in the forward line at the moment.
1: Okay, and after that, we've got the Suns in Melbourne. Doesn't look like there's too much Supercoach relevant player movement there. Um, So we'll move on to Port Adelaide versus the Crows, and I think this one is pretty relevant. We've got Ollie Wines out injured, and he's going to be out for a while, so potentially good for owners of Rockcliffe or Drew. And we've also got, Zach like admitted, he's in a lot of sides.
0: Yeah, I think Willem Drew was someone who was almost sort of getting up to his top price point there, hitting the 300,000 mark, and looked like it was the potential for maybe moving him on for a forward line premium, but... Obviously, after the word of the Ollie Wines injury, and um, when he did his best scoring, Drew, that was back at the start of the season before Wines came in. So I'll really be watching Drew closely this week to see if he gets a, a point bump from taking some of that midfield time from Ollie Wines. Because if he if he is doing that, um, I won't be looking to trade him out anytime soon. I'll be holding him for that um, on-field scoring. And um, the other one you mentioned there was Butters, who's in a lot of teams. Um, Definitely someone that's at that 250 mark whose break-even was around what he'd been scoring anyway, so if you're looking for a midfield option to trade out this week, um, we might get a bit to the rookies in detail later, but he might be some someone that people will start looking at moving on now.
1: So the next game, St Kilda versus the West Coast Eagles, not too much here. I see Darrow Joyce has been omitted, not sure he's in too many teams. Um, probably most interesting are the emergencies. You've got Nick Hind there for the Saints, yet to debut. Could be an option down the line. And then Josh Rotham uh, sitting there on the bubble, two games played. Pretty decent average. I know some people are hoping for him to get named eventually so they can bring him in for that instant cash generation. But to see them in the emergencies, I guess, is good news.
0: Yeah, um, Darryl Joyce and John O'Marsh were both, you know, sort of that down towards the rookie end players in defence who people were looking at. But I think. Um, these players got omitted at the right time for anyone who was looking at bringing them in because they're sort of going to be those chop-and-change players all year. I don't really see either of them locking down one of their positions, you know, for an every-week proposition. So it's probably good for some coaches out there that they didn't have the temptation of these players because they're not sort of the ones that we'll be looking at for the week-after-week games, which is what you need for that um, cash generation there. So, um, yeah, two players who are dropping out... Um, of possibilities of trade in there and um, yeah some of those defensive options to bring in as rookies are starting to look uh, quite thin at the moment which is worrying me a bit which um, going back to Ainsworth is probably making him look even more uh, more favorable at the moment um, knowing that there's not many other uh, options around there at the moment.
1: So now we're on to the Sunday games can't really be sure what's happening with these obviously with the extended bench but North Melbourne have brought in two debutants, Curtis Taylor and Kyron Hayden uh, I'll admit I've never heard of Kyron Hayden I know that Curtis Taylor is pretty highly rated I'm uh, supposed to be very talented Knowing that he's good mates with Cameron Rayner and I'm pretty sure he's a similar player sort of that big bodied type maybe half forward um, but both named on the extended bench so not exactly sure we'll see them and for the second week in a row Darcy Fort has been named on the extended bench for Geelong uh, Charlie Constable also in the mix
0: yeah, Curtis Taylor, I think he kicked uh, three goals or so um, in the VFL last week, looking really good up forward. Um, will be interesting. People should look at these final teams. I suppose the player that is sort of fighting for a spot for at the moment. Uh, is another player on the bubble there in um, Larky. So he's been playing that role in the AFL side quite well. Um, so if anyone's going to swap and change there for anyone who's looking at Larky, you know, make sure that he's named um, this week, not being taken out for a player like Curtis Taylor, because I think one of those will be in the seniors and I'm not so sure if they'll play both of them at once. Um, so keep an eye out on the final teams come tomorrow night. Um, in terms of Charlie Constable, I did hear um, the press conference. From Chris Scott, um, this morning, he mentioned, first of all, that Dangerfield is going to be a game day proposition. So anyone who does have Dangerfield, which is 75% of the competition, make sure you have a good emergency set. Um, make sure you're not using your emergency loopholes in the forward line this week because you don't want to get stuck, you know, using an emergency score and then taking an on field zero because Dangerfield's out. Um, but he was also saying that it's, um, in response to Charlie Constable that, you know, he's not in, the best 22 at the moment sort of thing and that it's good for their structure to have such a young gun who's playing so well but can't quite break into the team yet so going from those words it sounds like charlie constable might not make the cut from that lineup and um, not quite make uh, the team this week so for anyone who's still holding charlie um i wouldn't be uh, too sure that he'll be lining up this weekend
1: yeah i'm still holding charlie so disappointing news there i think um With Butters out, and I've also got Bailey Scott in the middle there. I might be running with three zeros in the midfield uh, on the bench. So currently not taking a zero, but not the best news. Hopefully no laid outs this week.
0: Yeah, uh, Bailey Scott's a really interesting one because he hasn't been in the team and I'm pretty sure he got knocked out at VFL level. Uh, I think he got three touches or something on the weekend. I heard that there was an injury, potentially a concussion. So uh, that's not really good news for him, especially if he has to have you know a week out from that. Then he has to come back and find form in the twos before he comes in. Really hoping that he can sort of break back into this team before buys because he hasn't really made enough money for me to warrant trading him out yet and as you said we're losing a couple of these bench players you know from form from the teams that they're playing for as well and you know you don't want to come to the time where you do need some of these players on field and
1: you just don't have the options there so the next sunday game we've got Fremantle and richmond and once again we've got some debutants named on the extended bench so hopefully we can get at least one of them playing this week we've got brett buley from the dockers i know a lot of people looked at him pre-season he was in the extended bench last week so hopefully he gets named this week and then we've got Jake Arts and Riley Collier Dawkins for Richmond uh just looking at these extended benches here I don't think it's too likely we're going to see a debutante on the Richmond side but yeah it may be Brett Bewley this week so that'd be good
0: yeah I think Brett Bewley is the one that we're all waiting on the one that had the wraps in the preseason that we're really hoping that he can get a game. Looking into the future, we'll talk a bit about rookies coming up to the bubble next week, but um, there's not a lot of options there, so if we can get one of these players that we've already heard a lot of hype about, who can get in the team and put up a good first-off performance, it might open a few more options about what we can do for trade-in targets next week. In terms of the Richmond side, I don't really expect Collier Dawkins or Arts to um, make that final cut. But Richmond definitely is a very interesting team at the moment for their amount of outs and amount of young players that they're playing. Um, It is possible that because I've got a lot of these young, you know, Ross and Baker types that they do, you know, have a few weeks in, rest one, bring somebody else in. So there is always a possibility. Um, Keep an eye if these guys are named. But I definitely think out of that game, Brent Buell is the one that um, I'll be watching to see if he makes the final cut.
1: And then the last game of the week is is one of the most interesting, actually. We've got Inns on Hawthorne's side. You've got Jack Scrimshaw, James Cousins, uh, both onto the extended bench. So if you've held them, that's good to see. Um, And then on the Giants side, very interesting. You've got a debutant in Matthew Flynn on the extended bench. You've got Josh Kelly in, but on the extended bench, so potentially not going to play. And then you've got Jackson Hadley who has been omitted, not even included on the extended bench. So he's now apparently below uh, yeah, Zach and Matthew Flynn, Debutant, um, Harry Perryman and Lockie Keefe uh, in the picking order. So that's pretty strange. Yeah,
0: definitely really strange. Um, I think Cameron's been quoted saying... Uh, for a lot of their younger players. Um, he really enjoyed that they did the apprenticeship at the second level before they got into the AFL team. It really does look like it doesn't matter how well Haitley plays at the moment because they want him to do um, you know, those first year or so of his career at that younger level, um, only coming up into the team when they really need him, um, despite the fact that he's scoring well. So I think at this stage, we've all just got to say that even if he does come back for his third game, while there are other trade down options there that um, we can't take Haitley despite his scoring potential. I know he only needs with, you know, that nine ish average, you know, two games or three games in the seniors to make your 150 K off that those price rises, but in terms of we're getting close to the buyers now to need these rookies to be able to potentially um field some positions for us going through, these sort of players like Hatley I, I just can't trust their job security enough to look at them in their teams. And I also think that a player we've overlooked here in the ins and outs is Lockie Whitfield. I don't see his name there, Bill.
1: Yeah, so not really in or out because he didn't play last week, but not named. So that's pretty huge. Um, I mean, I've got him. You've got him. It's bad news for us. Uh, probably an extra rookie onto the field. Um, great news, obviously, if you don't have him and he's still set to be dropping. Yeah, I think he's at five hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars now. We're probably going to see him around five hundred eventually.
0: Yeah. Uh, another player on that list that you mentioned was Jack Scrimshaw. Uh, I expect him to make this final cut of the team. Um, still in a lot of sides for Supercoach. Definitely one of those players that's at a price at the moment and an average that, you know, you could trade him on if you can make it to a premium or you could hold on to him heard a stat during the week that is the number one intercept player throughout the middle of the ground i think in the competition or something like that so those sort of stats hawthorne really rate highly and um i think he's really been a fantastic pickup for them this year and yeah one of the best cash cows for us in supercoach as well
1: so i guess we'll probably talk about how these ins and outs are going to influence our trades for this week but first maybe we should just jump back a little bit and discuss how we went last week uh, how the teams are looking so what was the week like for you liam I
0: had a real terrible week. I think you pushed uh, your kiss of death tag over onto me because it's the first time I can remember scoring under 2,000 in, yeah, forever. I can't really remember the last time I did it. But, yeah, I dropped uh, a fair bit down the ranks to 5,900. So still in the top end. But, yeah, that week really hurt me. Seems that all of my sort of, you know, sub- Point of difference between you know the ones that everyone has and sort of the point of difference players those ones in the middle i had billings with the 76 i had you know rocky with a 58 Liver with a 58 everyone's got you know heaney and danger which you know also put up terrible scores but yeah i couldn't seem to have anyone across the field that could get it done for me so my week was quite bad but we should focus on you bill because as i said kiss of death is gone and you had a ripple week
1: yeah, um, so not an amazing score. I put up twenty one sixty two, but for the week, it seems like obviously it was quite uh, a hard week for most teams. A lot of players, like you mentioned, Libertore, Rockcliffe, that are in some of the higher-ranked teams at the moment, did pretty poorly. So that, that score was in the top 2%. Um, had a nice jump up the rankings. Um, yeah, like most... Uh, going into the week, I was thinking, you know, in for a week of pain because my defensive bench had Lockie Whitfield and Harris Andrews on it. So that's never a good start. Um, And I just made that bold trade bringing Riley O'Brien onto the field and, you know, a bit nervous about that. But, I mean, he's put out 123, so that one's paid off within the first week, really. Yeah, so for anyone who missed the podcast last week, you
0: traded Goldstein out and brought in Boak with that money in the forward line and then moved Riley O'Brien off your bench onto your field. And effectively what that did was it gave you the 120 score from O'Brien over a forward rookie, and also got Boke into your team, who once again performed really strongly. Um, I think he top-scored for Port or close to against a really top-quality midfield there in Collingwood. So really great trade-in target from you there, not having to worry about getting Boke into your team later on. But also Riley O'Brien going huge. He could reach 500 plus $1,000 in his price tag throughout the season if he can keep this up. Um, is it something that you think people can still do if they have Riley O'Brien on the bench? Would you advocate people still looking to do this
1: trade themselves if they have the option? It's tough. I mean, obviously, you're sort of chasing points. here. He's gone in the mid-80s every week and then jumped up to 123, so not really sure we can expect this every week. Uh, it would probably depend on who you're running at, at the second ruck position there and who you're looking at in the forward line as to whether you would really pull the trigger. Um, Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think he's got a pretty tough run of opposition rucks coming up, so we might see his scoring dip a bit, and I'm a little bit worried about that myself, but it's something that people should consider, I think, um, especially if you think that he's going to hold these scores. I mean, his average is now 94, which is pretty good for a i mean obviously for a first year ruck it's amazing but it's a decent average just for a ruckman in general
0: well while we're talking about potential trades for the upcoming week we might as well start where everyone should with the rookies and talk a bit about what we've already mentioned um no hateley is an option for people so where should people be looking to make the money this week who is the is the best downgrade target in your eyes
1: i think it's Noah answorth um i went early on him last week myself so i brought him in um, I just figured it was the right move I didn't want to play Lockhart on the field I ended up actually looping him on Because he got that 86 So I looped him on for Butters 30 score um, Which worked really well But yeah, I, I brought him in last week So that I wouldn't have to play Lockhart And you know, cross my fingers and toes that he was going to perform uh, And then hold his spot He put up a 72 uh, He looks good, I think If you are looking to bring in someone in the defensive Or midfielder lines I would go with Noah Ainsworth yeah, I think that's a really good call. Is at that
0: bottom price, which is really, uh, really good as well. At that one hundred and seventeen k defender, uh, defender mid swing there as well, and over a seventy average on his first two games. Uh, I don't think you need any more than that. Um, after seeing him be named alongside Bailey this week, definitely the number one trade target. One thing that people should keep in mind though is that I looked for next week for players who could be on the bubble um, coming into next uh, week's game, so players who have had one game, but there's really no options that I really see. We had Stocker debut for Carlton and scored 21, so he doesn't really look like an option at this stage. We had uh, Kilty from the D's who scored 40, and we also saw Ham be recalled for Essendon this week for his second game, and he scored 44 in his first game, so really there's not a lot of options there looking to next week unless you want to go early on a player, so do you think maybe people should look at double downgrading this week Have we've got a few other options lying around there on the bubble uh, going into round eight?
1: Yeah, so I've just been thinking this myself, having seen those lineups, uh, I already had some trades in mind that I was going to do. Um, now, I think with Constable probably not getting named, but is being dropped. And yeah, like I said, looking at those rookies for next week, whether I want to go early, hopefully someone like Bewley comes in and performs well, but Maybe it's a double downgrade week. I'm not really sure. I was looking to bring in Nat Fife, but maybe going to have to reconsider here. Um, I was going to trade out Collins. Maybe that should be Constable.
0: Yeah, so if, if people are looking at double downgrading, there are a few players on the bubble this week that are, are quite interesting. Um, so, as we mentioned, Ainsworth, if you're looking for a defender or a midfielder, but. A lot of people have players down forward, like Petrucelli, where he is big 100s out of his scoring system now, so he looks right for the picking, and a few other players that could be downgraded in the forward line. And we've got three players at the moment down there who have the potential um, to be our bubble boys. We've got, as we mentioned from North Melbourne, Larky, who's got a 58 average Uh, also Corbett um, from Gold Coast with a 57 average and also with a 57 average we've got more from Hawthorne so three Ford boys down there who are sitting on the bubble um, all got named this week do any of those take your fancy
1: yeah I think I've got Corbett lined up at the moment I think he's got really good job security like he should as well but not really too sold on his scoring at the moment I think Corbett is probably going to be good for a 50 to 60 maybe a little higher scores hopefully each week and i I just see him playing a lot of games so i think he's maybe the pick of the bunch
0: yeah it's very interesting to see sort of the job security for these players going forward because i would agree it looks like corbett's playing a really fantastic role for gold coast and i don't see why he wouldn't continue playing that same role scoring you about the 60 or 50 every week and sort of burn away there on your benches um, we also have Day coming back into this Gold Coast team at some point. If they want to keep a specific structure, that could be really the only time that I sort of see his spot in jeopardy. But I would agree that I would say that probably Corbett has quite good job security. Larky is quite an interesting one because of how we've seen North Melbourne's lineups change since he's been in the team. So since he's come into that forward line, in those two weeks we've seen Zeeble move into the midfield probably yet to be seen whether that's a direct correlation where they're like, now we've got Larky out forward, we can afford to move Zebel into the midfield, and maybe that's a team structure change that they like, which means that Larky will get a lot of opportunities going forward, or whether that association is just a bit more luck at this stage, we're yet to find out. And more from the Hawks. He scored 74 on the weekend, looked really good. Having players like Wingard being taken out of that team this week who's not performing well, you know, Currently, Moore looks like why would he lose his spot when he's outperforming some of these senior players in that Hawks forward line. He also looks like an option and scored quite well on the weekend. So really, if any of these players take your fancy, I wouldn't sort of talk you away from any of them. Um, Really could just be luck of the draw of which one hits, gets a high score at some point and, and makes some cash and which one gets dropped randomly out of the team because at this stage, I can't really see a particular reason to pick one over the other but i see them all as better options than what we have coming through next week
1: so i'm looking at my team right now looking for some trades and as you mentioned it might be the week for double downgrade so i definitely have to consider that but otherwise i think i'm looking at petrocelli to corbett and then either collins or constable to fife uh, as you mentioned there's maybe the imperative to double downgrade so i'm gonna to have to think about over the next day, but at the same time, we see Fife scoring 124, looking really good, and set to rise once again.
0: Yeah, um, I'd agree with you looking at some of these primos like five, who look like they're at a fantastic price. Bit awkward for me because I give out great advice on the podcast, but I don't take that great advice myself. So when we recorded last week, I said that I was going to trade Liver to Fife. Liver scored 58, Fife scored 120. But of course, when Deadline came around and Scrimshaw wasn't named... I didn't want to play Lockhart on field, who scored the 85, so instead I went to trade Scrimshaw out. Um, really didn't work out for me, so I might even look back at going for this trade again this week and looking for Libber to Fife. Is Liber someone that's concerning you at the moment with the scoring that he's putting out?
1: He's not concerning me because he's not in my team, but he probably should be a concern for some people, um, yourself included. It's just, yeah, it's a role thing really, isn't it? It's it's beverage we can't really trust where he's going to be played. Um, we saw Josh Dunkley finally get that midfield time and the dogs looked a lot better. Um, he put up a huge score with 134, so I think we're going to see him in the middle once again, um, which could be bad for Liver. Yeah, definitely. It seemed like Dunkley just stepped into that sort of position as the
0: offensive midfielder that Libba had in the first few weeks where Liberatore when he was in the middle played either a more defensive role or played that more between the midfield and forward swing position. Um Very interesting to see if Dunkley can keep that spot because he went back to that huge 130-35 touch type scoring that we saw at the end of last year which if he keeps that up, would make him you know, the premium trade-in target in the forward line, someone that everyone has to look at getting in immediately before he keeps these scores coming from the midfield role. But if that means that somebody like Liber drops down to that 70-odd you know, score, he pumped out a 70 and then a 58, that means that Liberatore's price will be in free-for-all. And if you think that it's a possibility that he's not going to be a keeper and you're going to have to trade him out anyway, It's probably the week to do it before his price drops to a point where you can't reach some of these underpriced uber premiums like Fife. Um, I'm just really looking at it like that, where I can make the easy transition between a Libra and a Fife this week. And then I'm sitting there with Fife in my team, happy days. But also, I could easily see those roles switching back and Libra pumping out a big hundred this week. And I've sort of wasted that trade when I could have been upgrading a rookie. So it's sort of a bit hard at the moment, but. From what I saw on the weekend, I think it's time that Libba has to be moved on. He was always a stepping stone, and it's really probably the point where his um, break-even is getting up high enough that you've got to move these sort of players along. So that's a one-up,
1: one-down trade then?
0: Yeah, uh, at the moment what I'm looking at is going Butters down to Answorth, which is opening up that defensive mid-swing, and doing Libba to Fife, which because the transition between liver and five isn't that big that'll sit me with 100k in the bank for some of my upgrades going into future weeks which is also something that's really appealing for me at the moment to have you know a bit of bank stash
1: back there yeah it sounds like a good plan going forward and we've got quite a few targets i think coming up in the upcoming weeks Um, people are going to be looking to upgrade quite heavily before the buy is happening so yeah really interesting times uh crucial weeks i think you really got to hit your trades at this point
0: I've got a couple of controversial uh, trade options here for you that I really want to get your opinion on because there's a couple of players in there that sort of are sitting at very interesting prices. I'll start with one of our favourites in the Supercoach world, Sam Walsh. He's risen up to 452k, so a very similar price to Libra at the moment. Um, But he's sitting there now with a break-even that's reached higher than his average, so a 97 break-even now is he also someone you could look at moving on at this point in the season? Because again, he is an easy stepping stone to those real premium players. Or do you think that he's scoring so well that we really need to be adjusting these low scoring rookies, um, getting the highest points on field at the moment that we can?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I think it depends where your team is individually, how much depth you have in the midfield and what rookies you're playing on other lines. So if you're still running someone on the field like a Petricelli or a Parker, then you might want to be looking to move them on. Um, if you're pretty happy with everything else, you know, maybe you jumped on like Stack or Ross, you've got um, Baker up forward, um, Myers from from Geelong there looking pretty good, putting out 80s and 90s, then you could look to move on Walsh, I think, because really what he's stepping stone now to a, a premium mid, I mean, you can go Walsh to Fife for like $100,000. That's pretty tempting.
0: Yeah, I think that's good advice there. It really does come down to team structure and whether it's capable of your team to keep a scoring player like that sort of bubbling away at that price, not really worrying about if he's up and down, you know, 10K, 20K, doesn't really matter if you can upgrade more points somewhere else. Um, but a place where you can really look at moving some of these rookies in quite a unique and interesting way to get a bit of a jump on the competition is in the forward line where we've got players like, as we mentioned, Petricelli, sort of. Uh, maxing out close to it that 274k. We mentioned Drew's over 300k down there now, but we've got a player sitting there at $320,000 by the name of Jack Darling, who has dropped, you know, 150k over the season, averaged really highly last year and pumped out a big 132 on the weekend. That could be a sideways trade from one of these rookies, or in terms of Petricelli, less than a $50,000 swing. So pretty much a straight trade into a player that really could go back to being a premium like he was last year
1: yeah i mean that's a straight trade from willem drew um it's it's pretty tempting i mean i'm not really sure my team's at an area where i can do that but if you have if you have the uh option to bring him in and maybe even loophole him off the bench every second week that'd be really good um he has the potential obviously to to put out you know a 90 average he's he's one that i considered in my team in the preseason. so pretty happy that i didn't jump on that bandwagon
0: Yeah, I mean, even looking at his scores, he had obviously the 9 and the 22 and a 50. But apart from that, a 75, a 90, a 90, a 132, you know, more often than not, his scores have been quite good. So I think he's definitely someone that intrigues me a lot more than a similar case we've heard a lot about this week in Justin Westhoff, who's also down 150k. Uh, He's sitting there at a bit higher price tag at $400,000. And he's also had, you know, a few more of those bad scores compared to the good scores uh, is Westhoff someone that would also fit the bill for you or is the $400,000 price tag, you know, a little bit too high to look at bringing in a player with his inconsistent scoring?
1: No, absolutely. Um, I've been looking at Westhoff because I have binds as my R3. So with that forward swing, um, that opens up Westhoff to R3, R2, um, obviously very handy through the buys, I think. So, yeah, this week I think once again I'm sort of looking at either the double downgrade or, or to bring in Nat Fife. But I'm actually quite interested in Westhoff myself.
0: It depends, sort of, what you have the capabilities of doing. As you said, if it opens up, you know, dual position for you, I can totally understand why people would do it. But I feel like if you can pay an extra seventy thousand dollars, if you have the cash, to get yourself instead of a Westhoff to get yourself a Dunkley who could be you know, a premium prospect or even a Kelly's still sitting there at about $100,000 more than Westhoff. So it really depends on what you have the capabilities of doing if you're really strapped for cash and you're opening up these doors. But I think what we really need to start thinking about at this stage is which of the players we want in our team at season's end, who we expect to be the top of each line, so we can start to figure out which of these trades sort of make sense and which don't. And I think to really help with that, what might be beneficial for the listeners is if we go through each line now and sort of we're a third of the way through the season try and get our opinions on who is going to be the top six forwards and defenders who's going to be the top eight mids so the players that we're listing out now is really what we want our final team to look like who we think will be the best scorers from here on out and really it should be those names that everyone's looking at trading in so how about we start with the back line and sort of talk a bit about who we think will be top six at the end of the year.
1: Okay, um, starting in the back line, I think you can probably lock in a few names straight off the bat. So, Jake Lloyd, um, lock him in. I think Lockie Whitfield, obviously he's had the injury and and all that, but I think we can lock him in to come back pretty strong eventually and and finish in that top six, Um, currently sitting at number four. And then, interestingly enough, it seems like you can probably lock in Shannon Hearn uh, down the back, which is... Yeah, I mean, he didn't make my team with the no old boys rule, so... I think at this stage, you can probably lock him in as well.
0: So, would they be in order for you? Do you think it's a Lloyd, Whitfield, Hearn, 1-2-3 in order of how you'd, how you'd rank these defenders for finish of the year?
1: Yeah, I think so at this stage. I'm, I think I'm looking at Lloyd. Um, obviously, before the injury, Whitfield and him competing for that top spot. Seems like Lloyd will take okay. it now. Um, yeah, Lloyd, Whitfield, Hearn. And then you're probably starting to throw other names out there like Ryan, Sicily. Um, uh, I'm looking at a list now. And I can see that Tom Stewart is still there. We don't really know how he's going to go once Zach Tui is back in full flight. So maybe a little bit more risk associated with Tom Stewart compared to the other names there. Um, and then, yeah, I, t- I tend to go for name, sort of brand value. So Rory Laird currently sitting at ninth highest average is pretty good for someone who's been considered to have a, a sort of a poor year up until now. So I'd probably be looking to get Rory Laird into your team if you can as well. I think he's probably going to push towards that top six.
0: Yeah, I think all of those are very good points. How about you give me... So you've locked in your three. Close out, give me the next three that you're going to lock in for your top six and then some honourable mentions for your list.
1: Yeah, I think in the defence here, I'm probably just going to play it safe. I'll I'll say Ryan, uh, I'll say Sicily, and I'll say Laird. So, um, yeah, Laird, currently number nine, is knocking out for me Stuart, who's currently at number five. Um, And then the names between them, Dan Rich... Bachar Hooley, Matthew Suckling. Uh, Rich has had a really good season, but I see Laird overtaking him at some point in time. It's just sort of the roles they play. I think Laird will get there. Yeah, I had a very similar list to you here. I definitely had Lloyd, Whitfield,
0: Hearn, and Sicily as that sort of locked-in top bracket. Um, as with you, I locked sort of Ryan into that category now as well as, as in that top six. Um, instead of that Laird position, I had Daniel Rich at this stage. Just not sure how Laird's scoring will go with, you know, Bryce Gibbs down back when Malera comes back in, Smith going crazy. So, yeah, sort of those are the names around the mark of the top six. And the ones that are sort of a bit unlucky to miss out on that list is, as you said, Stewart, um, Hooley, probably Williams and Smith are also going to be around the ballpark. So, a lot of people with those names in your team, you know, also are the potential to hold all year, I think. Um, That's in the range. And, yeah I think it's becoming a little clearer the defensive structures of at least the very top end with maybe one spot there that's up for grabs where
1: you can be a bit creative with your choices yeah I think it's also interesting obviously what you want is you want players who have a high average from the time that you bring them in so it doesn't necessarily matter what that number next their name is as long as they're averaging high for you um, and bringing those points in every week since you got them into the team so There are a few options here of people who are injured or coming back from injury. I put three names out there. Wayne Malera obviously was going really well before he went down injured. Um, Harris Andrews was just outside the top six last year. I think he was averaging about 96 or 97 before um, he got injured by Jeremy Cameron there, so... He's one who could push there and obviously he's still in my team so I'm hoping he can push up. And then the other one is Connor Blakely. Didn't quite manage to get named this week but I expect we'll see him soon. Uh, He was in really good form in the twos last couple of weeks. And yeah, another one who if he comes in and puts up a few good scores I reckon we could start to see him crop up in a few teams there.
0: Yeah, he's a very interesting prospect. As you said, he really lit it up on the weekend in the twos, and I sort of expected him to be named. But they're giving him you know, enough of a build in the seconds team, building up the fitness base. But when he comes back in, we'll get a couple of weeks look at him to get a few scores before his price changes. And definitely if you are at a point where you want a point of difference player and that's the time that you're upgrading, he could be a really interesting option. Um, also, as you mentioned, Harris Andrews is probably the cheap option at the moment of anyone who's sort of looking at somebody who could potentially be at the top and wants a really big risk. But I think at this stage, um, as we mentioned, there's probably four or five uh, really locked in players um, that you need to keep an eye on for when their price is dropping. We know Whitfield is, is probably the key one at the moment whose price is about to plummet over the next three weeks. So people without him in their team, uh, it's... Yeah, probably the time to start looking at when you can bring him in.
1: So how about we look uh, quickly at the midfielders? Um, This one is probably a bit more open for interpretation. I think there's not really as many locks. So how about maybe, Liam, you could run us through who you reckon are absolute locks for the midfield?
0: Yeah, I think the absolute locks. I'll start with Paddy Cripps and Lockie Neal. I think they're probably the two locks at this stage, along with Fife and I'll. say, McRae with a tentative uh, lock there. I think Neil Cripps and Fife are sort of in a top echelon at the moment where they're my clear top three. And then McRae I'll put in that sort of uh, sentence as well. When I'm talking about people who I expect to be in my top eight at season's end, I think Pelly is scoring high enough at the moment that I think he will make it. And then I think Merritt and Trelaw are two others that I really expect to continue their consistent scoring. Um, the final position that I'll lock into my top eight really tentatively at the moment is Andrew Gaff. I think his score on the weekend really impressed me. Um, that's probably a bit, you know, out of the blue as a pick there with some of the, um, honorable mentions we'll get to in a moment. But yeah, I think at the moment definitely Neil Cripps, Fife and McRae are going to be my locks up there in the midfield with four, you know, more tentative selections there.
1: Yeah, I think those four that you mentioned are probably my locks as well. Um, it's interesting, we both have Punt and Pally not really as a lock, even though he's number three at the moment, averaging 121. Um, and then as well, I noticed he didn't even really mention Ben Cunnington, currently number six with 113.6 average. And Josh Kennedy um, is actually averaging more than Trelaw and Merritt at the moment, 111.6. So I guess maybe just not sort of sexy selections there, the inside mids, Ben Cunnington, Josh Kennedy.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, sort of in my list here, I had those eight names I mentioned, and then I had sort of the honorable mention possible category where I've got players like, uh, Matty Crouch, Josh Kelly, uh, even Rory Sloan I had in that category. But the players that I sort of didn't have on my list is, as you said, Cunnington, JPK, uh, Clayton Oliver, I also don't have in my top eight list at the moment. Um, Tom Rockcliffe, there's been a lot talked about. He didn't get close to my list either, so. Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, those two guys are two that are performing well that I don't expect to maintain at all season, um, even though they definitely could. Um, they're not going to be ones that I'm going to be locking in for the whole year. And on the other end, Clayton Oliver and Rockcliffe for ones that aren't performing at the moment. And I don't really see that immediate turnaround at this stage.
1: So you mentioned there uh, Josh Kelly. Um, he's one that I'm keeping my eye on. I'm sure a lot of coaches are keeping their eye on for when he bottoms out and... I mean, he hasn't really had a, a huge go of it so far this year. He's only played the four games, but he's still sitting at number fourteen. I think he can maybe get up into that top six. And one of the things just sort of mentioned there was it doesn't really matter how the person averages. You know, what numbers next to their name, how they average across the whole season. What matters is what they average once you bring them in. And uh, player that I would have locked in preseason and and I did because I selected him is uh, number twenty one at the moment. Clayton Oliver, averaging one hundred point four. As we know, he can average you know, 15 points higher than that. So, I think at a certain point, people need to start looking at bringing in Clayton Oliver if they don't have him because, I mean, he's sure to bounce back at some stage, you would imagine, um, sitting at $544,000, 100 average, you have to think he's going to improve from here.
0: Yeah, I think all those are really good points, so... We've all locked in the top four. You've heard my uh, other four to close out my aid of Bontempelli, Merit, Trelaw and Gaff. Uh, do you have a, a second four that you want to lock into your top eight?
1: Yeah, I guess I'll always put Bontempelli there um, just because he's, he's putting up the numbers, so it's hard to argue with it. Um, that said, I'm not really in a huge rush to get him in my team because I do think we're going to see those scores drop off at some stage. Um, I think it's, yeah, again, it's maybe not sort of those... It's not the name that you want to see in your team necessarily. Like It doesn't excite you when you look at it. But at this stage, I think Ben Cunnington might finish in the top eight. He looks like he's going to keep putting up those pretty big scores each week, um, just playing that inside mid-roll, getting contested possessions. So I think maybe I'll lock in Ben Cunnington there. Um, it's tough. It's tough on the last couple of positions. I think maybe we could see Zach Merritt and Josh Kelly. I'll say Josh Kelly. I think he's got enough class to, to eventually finish in that. And then honourable mention I think to Clayton Oliver Who I think is going to vastly improve his scores at some stage Or at least I hope he does
0: so we'll move on to the forward line now. So what we saw so far is probably the defense is relatively settled, whereas the midfield has a few options to sort of play around with. And I think the forward line is very similar to the midfield where I was looking for locks and, you know, secondary positions, and I found it a bit hard. Um, do you want to start with the few players that you would lock into your forward line come season's end?
1: Yeah, the forward line's really open. Um, so I guess we have to lock in Boke. Doesn't look like he's slowing down at this stage. He's averaging over 10 higher than the next closest, so I think Travis Boak is a lock at this stage. And then, um, obviously, at the moment, you know, he's fresh off a of 20, but probably have to lock in Paddy Dangerfield. Um, obviously, with that mid in, uh, available as a selection there, I think that's uh, that's a good lock. Um, it gets tougher, obviously, from here. I think Tim Kelly's going to finish in the top six. I think we can be pretty confident of his uh, ability to get there. He's currently sitting at number six. Uh, I think we all probably expected Isaac Heaney to get there. He's currently sitting at number 11. And yeah, quietly confident on Josh Dunkley, who I've been holding since the start of the year. I think he can maybe get up there, provided that Beveridge plays him in the forward line. So I may have said six names by now. I'm not really sure. Um, But the other one I really am quite interested in at this stage is Caleb Daniel. He doesn't really look like slowing down. He's currently ranked number three. Um, Behind Jeremy Cameron, surprisingly enough, but... Yeah, not too sure I'd trust the key forwards there, although I could see uh, Jeremy Cameron scoring pretty big over the coming weeks with the fixture they have. Yeah, it's
0: quite funny. We both said it was quite an open fixture, but we've settled on the same six players in the forward line, actually. I had Boat, Kelly, and Dangerfield as my locks, and I had Heaney, Dunkley, and Daniel as my probables to get in there. So I guess at this stage, we're sort of in agreement that they look at the moment like the players who are going to be in that top six, but... There are so many players that I sort of threw around for those last few positions. You mentioned Jeremy Cameron, who is just in insane form at the moment, seems to be racking up the ball, kicking a million goals, maybe even on track for the 100 if they're playing deep into finals. Um, Billings, Mundy, Walters, Jack Nunes, even Rowan Marshall is someone who I could see with his, you know, ruck scoring, being somebody who's around the mark at the end of the season. Um, And I didn't even mention people like Warple, who's in a lot of teams. I know Tom Hawkins is, you know, around the mark at the moment and Geelong has a really nice fixture going forward. Um, Yeah, do any of those sort of names that I rattled off there who didn't make our list really
1: look to you like they could surprise us and be a good point of differences for your top six? Yeah, um, I think Tom Hawkins, he's, again, like I said with Ben Cunnington, I think he's just the sort of name where when you look at your supercoach side and you see tom hawkins ben cunnington you know it's not exciting necessarily it's not it just doesn't seem right i guess So, sort of puts people away from it and i think they're they're pretty good points of difference because of that and yeah i'm not really sure whether i have the stones to jump on uh, tom hawkins but i think those that do will be richly rewarded um he did it last year he finished top six last year i think and uh, it looks like he might get there again um geelong have a really open fixture coming up playing some of the bottom sides and yeah, if Tom Holt gets on the end of a few, then we could see him putting up consecutive tons, shifting into that top six.
0: Yeah, I think what you like about a player like Hawkins is you know exactly what you're going to get. And if you're a player who is just playing for overall points, he's going to have games where he kicks you huge bags and gets you, you know, 160s. He's always going to be in the forward line, he's always going to kick in goals, and you know that's what you're going to get. Whereas a lot of these other players like Dunkley, if he plays in the forward line, he's not going to make top six. Heaney, if he has stents up forward, you know, might not make it. You've got Daniel playing down back. If he gets moved, I don't know what he will do. Um, You know, Nunes, he's throwing up huge numbers, probably even more likely than Billings to get there at the end of the year. But we saw last year he got moved from the wing to the forward line and scored 60s. So I think a lot of these players, you really need to be careful to making sure what role they're going to have for a whole year because some of these, you know, that are getting chopped and changed – those chop and changes are enough to keep their average down, whereas, as we said, a couple of these other players seem to at least have set positions where you can be a little safer with what
1: they're going to do week to week. Yeah, it's a really good point. And, um, yeah, I just I sort of just am wishing that I, I had the, the stones to jump on Tom Hawkins now. He's dropped $50,000 from his starting price. He's turned up four times. I mean, kind of want him now. Talking myself into it.
0: So now that we've looked at sort of yeah these positions like you're talking about, are there any names that are sort of jumping out for you saying oh you know if I'm looking to bring in players this week, um, this player I listed near top six and he's really cheap at the moment who I'm looking at bring in. So we already mentioned Josh Dunkley for a few people. Um, he's looking really cheap there at the 479k mark which is you know quite cheap for someone who could be in that top echelon of players um going towards the end of the year is there anyone else who you're looking at and you're thinking you know for people out there who might not have them in their teams certain players looking quite cheap and could prove to be a good player to pick up in the near future
1: yeah i think there's two in the midfield that that jump out to me like i said if people don't have clayton oliver then i think i haven't really checked his break even because he's just sort of a a set and forget in my side now but if his break even is getting to a point where you think he's only going to rise from here then i would be jumping on um I just think he's going to score above his 100 average. You know, at some point, things will just shift a bit and he'll he'll be back to pumping out 120s. Uh, and then the other one, I think there's a reason we're both looking to bring in Nat Five this week. We had him as a lock, you know, top three, top five lock. If he can stay on the park, then I think, yeah, Nat Fife's probably going to be the most traded in play this week.
0: Yeah, I think all of those were, were very good points. I would also throw alongside those guys, Andrew Gaff is sitting there at 549, so even cheaper, McRae is at 582 with 149 break-even, so he's also going to fall to around the 550 mark, Um, we've still got Rory Laird in the back line at 531, um, about to rise, 501 for Tim Kelly in the forward line, Um, yeah, a lot of these players are cheap, and I think the exercise we did today, sort of looking at who we expect to be top of each line, is one that, the listeners should look to do and then try and pick through their their list to find players who they can bring in at the cheap at any given moment because really what we need to be doing at this stage is building our team of players that we want for the rest of the year um yeah so definitely not settling for players who you don't see as as possible for getting in those top of the line um come the end of the season
1: yeah i think it's a really important exercise people need to do if they're serious about obviously trying to finish in that top end having a look at who you really want to get into your team maybe add them into your watch list and just yeah keep an eye on them as you mentioned one of the other things that obviously any serious player is going to need to have a pretty hard look at pretty soon is the buy structures so maybe that's something we can discuss next week
0: yeah that's a that's a really good point as well something to definitely start thinking about both for your rookies and for your premiums. So definitely noticing that you're not bringing in the same premium from each buy every week, but also trying to look at which rookies you might try and run through the buys. So yeah, as you said, maybe we'll set up a podcast for next week looking at buy structures and sort of giving some information about what you should be looking for. I think also something to keep in mind at this stage is exactly what you're playing for. And if you are playing for overall you need to be keeping up with your upgrade cycles. So effectively, if you're going to have a week off where you don't get to go one down, one up and upgrade to a premium, taking that week off means that you'll be a premium down on every other top-end team for the rest of the year because it's not like, oh, I'll just get them next week because people will be bringing one in this week and one in next week. So really trying to keep on that upgrade cycle as best you can um, is really important. So say if you are looking to double downgrade this week, ensure that that gets you enough money so you can double upgrade next week so you're not falling behind in your cycle of premiums because if you're really trying to keep up the top end that's how you're going to do it by completing your team as quickly as possible
1: so maybe just a quick look i'm not sure liam if you've locked in your trades yet but quick look at maybe who we're going to captain this week um and yeah if you if you have decided locked in trades then who who your trades are
0: Yeah, so at the moment, the trades that I've made, and seeing these final teams, I'm pretty sure I'm going to stick with it, is Butters down to Ainsworth. As I said, that's really important for bringing in the best rookie for the week, but also to open up some swings of dual positions. This will let me play, say, a Dersmer on field in my midfield if I want, or an Ainsworth or whoever I pick, um, and still play good premiums in the back line from rookies like Marty Hoare on field, and then also Dersmer on field. And I'm going to take the chance to get off Liberatore like I should have done last week on the pod. Um, getting to Fife, I think that, um, as you said, we'll speak a bit about captains this week, but I think Fife at the moment is a player that's becoming a must-have, that his price is just going to get up to a really high level and you're going to be missing a lot of points if you don't get him in as soon as possible. So I've looked at the double downgrade, but I'm just going to have to pray that we get a good rookie next week because I really just want Fife in my team to get that consistent scoring.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm looking at the same um, sort of trades. I had them locked in before the teams dropped. The teams have given me a bit of food for thought. So, uh, at the moment, what I've done is in the forward line, I needed to find a rookie to go for this week. As I said, I already brought in Answorth last week. So, at the moment, I'm looking at Corbett, um, Petricelli to Corbett. That gives me a little bit of cash to play with. And then I think I'm going to go Collins out because bringing him in, sorry, keeping him in wouldn't really make any cash, probably lose cash um, over Constable, who's just going to be the zero there and hold his price, so I'll go Collins to Fife and swing Lockhart back into the defensive line. Um, yeah, a bit of bit of food thought in terms of the double downgrade, something I'm going to have to look at, but at this stage, I'm also looking to bring in Nat Fife and probably put the captaincy on him, I think.
0: Yeah, I think one of the best things about bringing in Fife this week is he is a lock and load captain for me this week. He is in fantastic form. We posted out on our Twitter page him as our trade in target for last week and put all the stats of why he was a great trade-in target that he'd been averaging, I think it was 118 over the last five years, which is which is pretty crazy. So anyone who likes those sort of stats on players, check out our uh, Twitter at Science of Footy. Um, we'll put out a new trade-in target and captain option this week, and it very well might be Nat Fyfe for our captain option this week because he's coming up against Richmond and. Bill, you would never guess that his previous scores against Richmond because last time he played them last year, he scored 142, and the year before when he versed them, he scored 142. So if that's not consistent high captain-style scoring, I don't really know what is this
1: week. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons Richmond leak coach points despite being a good side. So I think captaincy on Fife, um, vice-captaincy, you got some options there. I know that you've got Neil potentially on the Saturday I think I'm gonna go for Grundy uh, against Carlton um, considering McRae unfortunately I don't know Neil so I can't really go with him so yeah probably gonna run with Grundy into five
0: yeah, I was also looking at the Grundy into five option, but I did see that Matthew Cruiser was in on those lists. So he's not rucking against Phillips now. He's rucking against Cruiser, um, which might be enough to make me have a look, as you said, Lockie Neal against the dogs. Um, I think that he could just rack up the pill at will in that game. And as I said, it, he'd have to score pretty highly for me not to want to take five as the captain this week. So. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but I think there's definitely a few options out there for the super coaches. Um, a lot of people having Grundy in their team, um, hopefully some people trading in Fife and can sort of do the double whammy of getting the five points and also doubling it up with the captains this week.
1: And so with the trades, we talked a lot about, you know, knowing that your targets are, have you sort of positioned yourself to have a got someone next week?
0: Uh, I have. I... It depends on the scores of McRae in the upcoming week. As I said, his break-even this week is at 149. If he can get close to that and bring his break-even down for the week after and bottom out that price drop, I'll definitely be trying to get him in as soon as possible. Um, Apart from that, I haven't really looked too far into it. It'll depend a lot on how some of my uh, sort of rookies look at going. If Drew looks like he's going to keep on rising without Ollie Wines, I'm sort of going to hold off on that forward trade for now. Um if I can get enough money from a Petricelli and a Parker double to get up to somebody who I like in the Ford line, um I think that's the better point wise thing for me to do at the moment to get um off one of those on field Ford rookies to get up to a Ford premium. So I'll either look to see if I can get enough cash with my with my bank to maybe do the Petricelli and Parker to get up to say a Tim Kelly who I don't have yet. Um otherwise I'll be looking in the midfield for someone like McRae. How about you? Do you have any players that you've got an eye on for the upcoming weeks?
1: Yeah, I think so. I've got, as I mentioned before, Constable still sitting there on the bench at about 300k. I got Butters at 250, so um, they're easy culls there. Hopefully, someone like Bewley can step up and be an option for a downgrade, and that would allow me to... At the moment, I think I'm looking at something along the lines of Butters to whoever pops up, whether that's a Bewley or someone else, and then upgrading Constable to Jake Lloyd in the back line uh, via the dual position swing there. Got Lockhart, Answorth, or Dursmo can all do it with. So maybe Lockhart into the middle. Um, bring in Jake Lloyd down back. He's slipped now to 586,000. He's got 136 break even. He could go near that. And then, yeah, maybe down another 10 or so K okay this week. Bring him in about 575, which is, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that if, if I can pull that one off.
0: Before we leave the pub for today, I think we might as well revisit a little bit of the uh, statistical model team that we put together at the start of the year. So anyone who hasn't been following the podcast, what we did was we used a a series of statistical tests to figure out which of these supercoach players were underpriced this year for the potential output of scoring that they could do and picked a team with that that we'd been following throughout the year. And I I think looking at it this week, it's, it's sort of the best position that I've seen it in terms of all the, all of the regular teams that I've seen. And it might just be worth reading out to the listeners sort of how the team's going and who's on field at the moment, because I can definitely see this team even going close for the, for the weekly prize this week. So at the moment with the trades that we've done to it, we're running a backline of Rory Laird, Zach Williams, Brody Smith, Basha Hooley, Harris Andrews and Marty Hall. Um, We traded in Fife into the team this week to captain um, alongside midfielders of Matt Crouch, Tim Taranto, Jack Steele, Rocky, Brad Crouch, Walsh, and Willem Drew. Uh, Rucking, Grundy and Goldstein and in the forward line with Boak, Danger, Heaney Billings, Nunes and Darcy Moore so really what we've been able to do with that team is to keep only a couple of rookies on field at the moment Marty Hoare and Willem Drew alongside Sam Walsh is our only rookies going there so at the moment that team's looking really strong and really showing the potential of this uh, statistical model going into next year when we try and optimise it Bill
1: yeah, so projected for this team this week is over twenty three hundred, looking pretty good. Um, it's got it's got trades in the bank. It's it's got a bit of cash sitting there. I think it's sitting at. A, uh, I'd have to have a look. It's it's sitting at about what is it twenty? Okay, it's sitting at about thirty five thousand rank, um, which is not brilliant, but that is sort of a bit our fault. We've sort of a few weeks forgot to put the captaincy on. Um, we've had it on. We had it on Dangerfield last week, uh, scoring twenty six there. Um, and we haven't had the optimal rookie selections in terms of who we're putting on the field, who's playing. We've missed a few. I think we even copped a natural zero at one point. So we've sort of dropped the ball on that end. The uh, the computer's done all right and the human errors have come into play um, and, and costed a few points, left a few points on the table there. But yeah, it's it's interesting to note that the mid-price madness sort of thing that it went for, um, the computer selected for, has actually done pretty well this season with, with your picks like Taranto, Rockcliffe. Uh, making pretty good cash, and yeah, Nunes in the forward line, Billings, more Hooli, you know, the list goes on, and, and now the team is sitting with very few rookies on field, um, quite strong cash generation sitting on the bench, still got Riley O'Brien at R3, um, you know, Atkins and Clark sitting there with quite a lot of money, so I don't think cash is going to be a problem for this team, and yeah, it could uh could improve itself very quickly over the next couple of weeks, and really be a force to be reckoned with as it comes late in the year i could definitely see it out scoring in our own teams quite 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 often late in the season
0: yeah i think the whole point of this team was to have enough of these underpriced players that they would rise up to close enough to the price of these premiums where we could end up side trading so sort of getting two in a week where we can eventually get say someone that rose like a williams side traded over to a Uh, A fallen Whitfield later in the year, if we wanted to, or as we said, like a Darcy Moore when he gets to the price of someone in the forward line, we want to just do a couple of quick side trades and maybe get two upgrades in one week is sort of the idea of how this team could go. But at the moment, I think it's sitting quite nice. And probably the issues with our statistical model team, as you said, is the human error we've put into it because we forced this team to pick Grundy and Danger as captain options at the start of the year and. As it sits at the moment, if you were someone who missed out on Dangerfield, you'd be sitting quite pretty because you'll be able to pick him up for an incredibly low price in the upcoming weeks, um, potentially even down at 470k. So do you think that's something we should address for next year's version 2.0, where we maybe don't force um, captain options into this lineup? Or do you think this Dangerfield injury scenario is sort of a once-off where we did have the right idea getting those captains in the team. We just picked the wrong ones.
1: Yeah, I think you've got to have captain options. So, And Grundy has paid off. So I think we probably should have, in hindsight, gone for Grundy and Gorn, um, just set and forget in the rucks. Uh, obviously, the Dangerfield pick, you know, he's in 75% of teams. We weren't really to know that he would go down injured. So there's nothing you can really do there. Um, but, it, yeah, it does sort of show that sometimes you can be in a better place if you don't have those really popular players so Dangerfield um, the model does have but one that it doesn't is Lucky Whitfield doesn't have him down back and as we know he's going to be about $500,000 pretty easy trade in for someone you know. even Marty Hoare is probably going to be up around the $400,000 pretty soon so we're going to benefit from that Um, yeah you definitely need captain options I think that's sort of undeniable in this game you need a captain's options but it does seem like in hindsight probably Grundy and Gorn were the ones to go for
0: All right, so do you have any closing remarks for the people this week or any closing advice Uh, going into round eight? We're a third of the way through the season now, um, getting into the business uh, stage of the year of upgrades before our buys.
1: Yeah, um, it's sort of, yeah, again, everything's dependent on on your structures, but at this stage, just look and try to improve your team every week, um, save trades where you can, maybe just don't get caught into uh, downgrading to make cash. So you really only downgrade onto someone if you think that rookie can then go forward and, and have a good role in your team. So whether that's points or just job security, someone like a Corbett. Um, but yeah, don't get caught downgrading onto a rookie that's going to become a zero, I think, is going to be pretty important at this stage.
0: I think that's really good advice. And uh, I'll be interested to see uh, how your Riley O'Brien as R2 uh, ends up going forward. Uh, We've been the boys on the Science of Footy podcast. Uh, For anyone who is listening and enjoys the podcast, do give us a five-star review and a little rating there. And as I said, get involved with the Twitter that we've got going, at Science of Footy. Uh, We post out lots of nice stats out there for weekly captains and trade-in targets and all that sort of stuff. So get involved on the Twitter page, and we'll see you next week.